I wish you could see uh, uh, Maggie there. She's all in her little baptismal outfit with her little bonnet on. It's super cute. By the way, I forgot to tell you that comes that baptism comes with a three-week money-back guarantee. Um, so if she sends it all the next three weeks, you let me know, and and, uh, and we'll we'll do it again. Uh, hallelujah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump right in here. Uh, some of you uh, undoubtedly are familiar with the uh, folksy. Uh, Christian music of Don Francisco. Uh, I assume some of you know that name. In 1979, he wrote a song called um, Gotta Tell Somebody. And it told the story of a young girl, Jesus Rose from the Dead. And it tells the story from the perspective of her father. And, and based on, um, uh, what is it, uh, New Pax Records, uh, who, who um, uh, copyrighted that song for him, roughly the last 46 words of that song go like this. I got to tell somebody. 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 Got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. I got to tell somebody. Got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. I got to tell somebody. Got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. I got to tell somebody. Got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. I got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody. I got to tell somebody what Jesus did. What Jesus did for me, I got to tell somebody, I got to tell somebody, I got to tell somebody what Jesus did, what Jesus did for me. You know, he gave me life when my hope was dead, when there was grief, he brought joy instead. Got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. I got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody, I got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. I got to tell somebody what Jesus did, I got to tell somebody what Jesus did, got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. I've got to tell somebody what Jesus did. I've got to tell somebody what Jesus did. I've got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. I trust. I trust you get his point. Uh, and I want to talk about that just a little bit this morning, uh, picking up roughly where we left off last week. So would you stand with me, please, in honor of the Word of God, just as we get focused and moving. I want us to read together once again 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 verses 18 to 24 1 corinthians chapter 1 verses 18 to 24 those of you with me here in the center for new life i'll read the plain text if you join me in reading the highlighted portions and those worshiping with us at an alternate location or over our youtube channel just read the text as it pops up on the screen and that way we'll walk through it together first corinthians chapter 1 beginning at verse 18 this is what the bible says for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord and you may be seated. Now last week we took a little bit of time and looked at two very common, uh, very negative responses to the gospel based on two Greek words we found in this particular passage. Those who view the gospel as foolishness, the Greek word was morion, 
have a tendency simply to blow it off. While those who view the gospel as an offense, as a threat, the Greek word is scandalon, tend to respond with greater anger and aggression. This morning I want to return to that point and share with you briefly three separate accounts of times when people were confronted with the gospel as recorded in the book of Acts. The first account uh, I want to look at is in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit's just come on the people of God with incredible power. And the Apostle Peter stands up and begins to preach to this huge crowd of people who had gathered there for the express purpose of worshiping God at the Old Testament feast of Pentecost. And as Jesus concludes his preaching of the gospel, the Bible says this. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? A few verses later, we learned that about 3,000 people were baptized that day and became followers of Jesus. That's exactly what you want to see happen, isn't it? When the Gospels proclaimed, they were cut to the heart and ultimately gave their lives to Jesus. The next account I'll mention to you is found in Acts chapter 5. The apostles have all been arrested for preaching the Gospel. But God sent an angel to bust them out of jail and set them back on the streets preaching again. So the guards come and get them and haul them before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council of that day. And Peter takes this opportunity to preach the gospel to them. The Bible says, when they heard this, they were furious. In the original Greek, it says, when they heard this, they were dieprianto. Literally, they were cut through. They were cut to the heart. They were dieprianto and wanted to put them to death. In Acts chapter 2, some people heard the gospel and were cut to the heart, and they repented and gave their lives to Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, a different group of people heard the gospel, were cut to the heart, and they wanted to kill the people who had shared it with them. The third account I bring to your attention is found in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen, an early follower of Jesus, not one of the apostles, was also called before the Sanhedrin, and he also decided to take advantage of this opportunity to preach the gospel to them. He went through the entire history of the Jewish people, and when he got to the point of the crucifixion of Jesus, at that point the Bible says when they heard this, they were furious. In Greek it says they were dieprianto tais cardiais auton. They were cut through in their hearts, and they gnashed their teeth at them. A couple verses later, we find out that they cover their ears with their hands, and screaming at the top of their lungs, they grabbed Stephen and drug him out of the city and pounded him with rocks until he died. We preach Christ crucified. A scandal on to Jews and foolishness to Greeks. Nonsense to some and a scandalous, offensive threat to others. Three times in these accounts, the gospel was proclaimed to people. And each time it was proclaimed, the Bible says it pierced them and cut them to the heart. Which is exactly, by the way, what the gospel is supposed to do. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing 
soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Word of God in general and the Gospel in particular are designed to penetrate and divide, to pierce right down to the heart, and once they get there, to cut and separate. It divides right from wrong, truth from error, that which is born of your own soul from that which is born of the Spirit of God. That which you imagine to be true from that which God declares to be true. And while some folk can apparently just blow that off, others react violently. For what it's worth, I believe this nation may very well be moving toward a season of increased hostility toward the gospel and toward those who proclaim it. As more and more people in this land come to view the gospel as scandalon, as a threat to their lifestyle, as a threat to their personal or political agendas. And I fear every day more and more of them are preparing to combat what they see as the threat of the gospel through, by applying the power of the state. The application of government force, the power to find people and to throw them into jail in order to make them be quiet. To say, as a matter of law in this land, not only that parts of the Bible are wrong, but that Americans cannot believe and act on those parts without being punished by the state. That in essence, you cannot be a good Christian and a good American. And part of what I hope happens for you as we walk through these series of messages on the gospel, as we begin to focus on the gospel and fall in love with the gospel again, is I pray that you get taught and trained and equipped so you can share the gospel with the people around you. So you can start up and lead Bible studies. So you can start up and, in some cases, lead congregations. Because the truth is we need all the people of God out there doing the work of the gospel. We need all hands on deck. If you missed my sharing this past Wednesday in our uh, midweek communion service on Facebook Live, I encourage you to check it out. You can check it out on our Facebook page or, or our uh, YouTube channel. But in that, in that brief devo devotional, I, I just shared a little bit about the gospel in this week's psalm reading, the first part of Psalm 107. And I focus primarily on verse 2 where it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. So in the Old Testament, salvation is often spoken of in terms of redemption. And in, in that particular devotion, I talked just a little bit about the Old Testament concept of a kinsman redeemer. But the bottom line is this, the redeemed of the Lord are people just like you and just like me. They're people whom he has saved. And the text is saying very plainly, let the redeemed of the Lord say this. The King James Version renders it, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. More, more recent translations of the New International Version say, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. In the original Hebrew, the text very simply says, let the redeemed of the Lord speak. Basically, the text is imploring you. 
If you have been redeemed by the Lord, for heaven's sakes, go talk about it. If you have been saved by God, please go tell somebody. Every chance you get, share the gospel and how it has changed you. Got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody. Got to tell somebody, got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. Last week I said it's time. It's time for us once again to fall in love with the gospel. It's time for us once again to be talking about the gospel. What has Jesus done for you? How has Jesus changed you? What has Jesus saved you out of? What has Jesus saved you into? What is it like to be able to walk in this broken, fallen, twisted world and know that God is right there with you all the time and right now waiting for you in in an eternity in glory? What's that like? For heaven's sakes, let the redeemed of the Lord say so over and over and over again to anybody who will listen to you. Let me just ask you, hypothetically, what if, What if in the not-too-distant future, Pastor Matt and I were to be arrested for things we preach from this pulpit? Are you prepared to carry on the work in our absence? What if in the not-too-distant future, we lost the use of this facility? What if this building got taken over and shut down? Maybe because of the labels we choose to put on the bathrooms. Maybe because of a wedding service we refused uh, to have. Maybe, maybe because we refused to pay for abortions with the health care we provide our staff. What would happen next if one day the government came and for whatever reason barred the doors of this building? My hope is that immediately, overnight, 100 resurrection church plants would pop up in your homes. My hope is that overnight, Pastor Ralph and Pastor Alex and Pastor Bill and Pastor Zach and Pastor Will and Pastor Jim and Pastor Linda and Pastor Andrea would suddenly find themselves multiplying 100 times more or over the impact of Pastor Matt and Pastor Billy. Are you ready for that? And if not, are you willing to get ready? And in the meantime, are you ready to share the gospel? To tell people that you have been redeemed. To tell people what God has done for you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Every chance they get. Every now and again, someone will ask me, what's the vision for Resurrection Church? I'm going to tell you, as far as I'm concerned, that's my vision for Resurrection Church. You are my vision for Resurrection Church. You, in love with the gospel, sharing the gospel. You, starting Bible study, starting prayer meetings, hosting prayer meetings, hosting worship gatherings in your homes or at your school or at your gym or in your workplace when those things begin to open up more and more as is going to happen in the days to come. You creating little pockets of Resurrection Church everywhere you go. And some of those little pockets actually turning into growing, thriving congregations. Resurrection Church in Huntersville. 
Resurrection Church in Ballantyne, Resurrection Church at UNC Charlotte, Resurrection Church at Queens University, Resurrection Church at Sharon Village, Resurrection Church on your street, doing the work of the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus. And then, if they decide to come for us, let them come. Because I don't believe they can stop all of us. I don't believe they can silence all of us. And I don't believe they can shut down every single building in which you and I are sharing the gospel if you and I are sharing the gospel in every single building we're in. But make no mistake about it, not everyone will receive what you share. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In verse 20 of this passage, the Apostle Paul asks, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? But listen, he didn't ask that question because those people didn't exist. He asked, them, he asked that question because of those questions because they weren't around. As he looked around the church, as he looked around the people of God, he didn't find a whole lot of those folk. So where were they? I suspect they were somewhere, quite possibly congratulating themselves on their own particular brand of wisdom and knowledge. Even though their own particular brand of wisdom and knowledge is not all that wise and all that knowing even though their particular brand of wisdom and knowledge was blinding them from the truth, even though their own particular brand of wisdom and knowledge was keeping them from the life with God, a life lived for God, that they were actually created and designed to live. The passage goes on, For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. And therein lies the key to our response to all of this. The gospel just needs to be preached. You don't have to spend a lot of time dissecting it. You don't have to spend a lot of time defending it. You don't have to jump through a whole lot of hoops explaining it. You mostly need to proclaim it. Tell what you know. Tell what God has done in Jesus through his life and death and resurrection. Tell what that has meant to you. Tell how that has changed your life. And then pray for the people who hear it that they might believe. Because the message of the cross, the gospel of Jesus, really is the power of God to save anybody who will believe it. Got to tell somebody. 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 Got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. Let's pray. Father, once again, and as always, we are grateful for the power and the clarity of your word. Your word that always tells us the truth, the good, the bad, and the in-between. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word that calls us to you, 
to a new life by grace through faith in Jesus. And your word that calls us to share that new life and the opportunity for it with others. Help us, Lord, love the gospel like it deserves to be loved. And help us share it like it deserves to be shared. And in your grace and mercy, would you multiply the impact through us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.